Welcome to Radio Abnet. Welcome to Abnet's Distributing Wisdom podcast. Distributing Wisdom is a forum for experts in the electronic components supply and distribution industry to discuss what it takes to adapt to and drive technological change. And at Abnet, we've seen this evolve over our 100 year history. And now we're bringing together authorities from both within Abnet and beyond to share their wisdom as it relates to perseverance, the critical role of the industry in driving innovation and how our past is driving our future. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the increasingly critical role that strategic global supply chains play in enabling companies to deliver the full value of their products and their services. In a year full of supply chain problems, those who were able to ensure continuity of supply stood out against the competition. We'll talk with experts about the differentiating value of a strong supply chain as you move through the various stages of production. We're joined by Lynn Terrell, Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer with Global Diversified Manufacturer, Flex, as well as Joe Getz, Senior Supply Chain Business Architect at Intel. And bringing in the channel perspective, we have Avnet Global Vice President, David Paulson, who leads the teams within Avnet dedicated to providing innovative supply chain solutions and seamless multi-region operational support for our largest global customers. Looking forward to a great conversation today. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I'm excited to have you as guests on our Distributing Wisdom podcast. Let's go ahead and get started. So my name is Lynn Terrell and I'm thrilled to be with you today. I am Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer at Flex. Hi, it's uh, great to be here. My name is Joe Geds. I work at Intel Corporation. I lead our supply chain business architecture and design integration team. Thanks for having me today. I'm David Paulson. I'm Global Vice President of Abnet United and Velocity. Lynn, let's start with you. When you read articles in the mainstream media and even some trade publications today, many of them talk about how fragile and easily broken our modern supply chains are. What do you think about when you read that coverage? We have had numerous supply chain challenges that have highlighted some of the weaknesses in our supply chain. But at the same time, when you look over the past 18 months and how the organizations have operated and continued to deliver despite all those challenges, I actually think it highlights some of the strengths of our global supply chains. Really, I think in the last year and a half, supply chains have moved from being expected to operate in the background to being seen as critical to businesses and the global economy. Historically, supply chains have been built on low cost and efficiencies, and that worked well for for many years. But right now, I think we're at a tipping point to re-engineer our global supply chains at scale. And even before the pandemic, you know, there are powerful environmental, technological, and political forces that were feeding this appetite to redesign corporate strategies and operations. And so I think it's, it's time where supply chain managers really need to 
look at what are their top risks so that they assess them and understand them. And they can start balancing that with their supply chain partners. And taking a step to earnestly plan for those black swan events, there's an opportunity to do that as well. And making sure we capitalize on the lessons learned that we've experienced over the past 18 months so that we can do better going forward. I think for one thing, it's it's interesting that for the first time, my friends and relatives know what I do. You know, supply chain was kind of a backwater uh, of like the industry and and business. But I, I, it's been thrust very much into the forefront by the pandemic and the tariffs uh, and trade issues before that. So I, I think that's that's a good thing in that it's now opened up the conversation in a lot of boardrooms that uh, didn't exist before. Uh, I think the tendency in the past was always to look at these events like they're a typhoon or a tsunami hits and the reaction of the supply chain is, is to quickly react. And there was no real planning into it ahead because who could ever predict these events? But now what you're seeing with this uh, pandemic, especially, is that these kind of major disruptions are regular and they can be planned for. And you have to have a more strategic approach to enduring and thriving in them than just being at the mercy of, of happenstance. So how hard is it right now to focus on a strategic reset. Do you feel like companies are taking the time that's needed to think about the future? Or do you still see leaders and management oscillating between proactive and reactive? As one of my employees puts it, you know, the tyranny of the now is real. There is just a lot of activity that's being done just to manage the day-to-day operations because of all the disruptions that have taken place. And that being said, I, I think it really requires uh, that strategic manager vision and real corporate leadership at the CXO level to really be able to prioritize that and see beyond the current issues and understand that there is an opportunity here as well. I think Lynn mentioned it in the answer to her first question that we can see that uh, this global supply chain actually is quite robust. And if you have the right partnerships, if you bring in the right resources, if you have the right capabilities, you can actually take advantage of these disruptions by reacting faster than your competitors and by being a more secure source uh, supplier uh, than some of your uh, competition. And that actually becomes a strategic advantage. At the same time as we've gone through this past 18 months, we've stepped back in my organization to make sure we're taking advantage of lessons learned. And we've also been intentional about taking time to do a reset. But all indications are that if this is going to last for another 12 to 18 months. So taking that time to be in very intentional in our discussions to say, okay, how, how do we manage this level of activity for that period of time? What can we do differently, more efficiently? How can we be a better partner to our suppliers to work collaboratively with them? But it takes that intentional stepping away from the day-to-day activities and really focusing on those areas that you need to look at to be more strategic going forward. The one thing in particular, Lynn, that you said that really strikes me is the learning part of it. And I think, you know, where we sit today in terms of the maturity of the supply chain, the digitization of the supply chain, I think that is an opportunity to harness some of that data 
in this period of constraints and, and really use that, turn that data into information to really try to better predict the future. So I see learning organizations taking a lot of time and understanding, just like you had said, but then also backing that up with the data behind it so that it's not just gut feel, you know, it's really based in the data that caused it or the upside and the downside associated with any of those activities. But I think data is a core tenant inside of that learning process that, you know, I'm seeing more and more companies harness that. So David, can you talk to us about how customer supply chain requirements are changing and what are some of the key strategies that you're employing to meet those needs? as our environment gets increasingly volatile. So what we're seeing from the customer base, and in particular brand owners, the actual OEMs themselves, is a renewed interest in the the supply chain that actually builds their product. And it's really taking on kind of two shapes, if you will. One is the agility of their supply chain, and then secondarily is the resiliency. And agility is really about the concept of, hey, if I get an unforecasted order, how large can that order be for me to have the ability to respond to it? So it's very near term. And then the second part of that is the resiliency piece that says, well, if I experience a disruption, how long can my supply chain run? And ultimately, you have a good agility and resiliency plan, it leads you backwards in your supply chain to determine what it should look like in terms of really three areas, but primarily in that scenario, the assurance of supply. How much supply do I need to accommodate my agility goal? How much supply do I need to accommodate my resiliency goal? And we're seeing those discussions come up more and more from the OEM and really understanding what that means to their finished good. With that then comes flexibility. Uh, So you can have your assurance of supply, but what we're seeing is them planning toward moving that supply anywhere in the world on a moment's notice uh, because they have sometimes multiple manufacturing sites all over the globe. But if you're going to meet that agility equation, you'll need to be able to move that product rapidly or have it centralized in addition to potentially some localized inventory. And so what we've been doing at Abnet then is tailoring supply chain solutions, you know, based on those requirements, because all of them are going to be a little bit different. You look at some of the geopolitical things that's caused supply chain to shift to different regions uh, in in part and parcel with potentially a nearshoring initiative and, and what that ultimately works out to is a different supply chain. And each one of those, especially in the OEM and the larger OEM community, each one of those is going to be a little customized. So we've been spending more time than ever building out those customized models uh, to accommodate ultimately that finished good, you know, agility and that finished good resiliency in alignment with their business continuity planning. You know, we're seeing this, this renewed understanding and interest of bringing all of the parties together to really create that end-to-end robust uh, supply chain. So we've had to go out and strike almost a bimodal approach to supply chain and the digital aspect of it to connect all of these tools together up and down the supply chain. You know, it's changing how we look at supply chain where now we start with digital and then we work into physical financial because that's become the longest pole in the tent by far. I'll share with you a a quote from a customer I've been dealing with where we're we're talking about the real-time exchange of data and they, they just point blank said, batch data and dashboards are dead, right? I want my data 
I want it raw and we need to harmonize it in order for me to see it and make appropriate decisions on it. And that change happens fast. It's not an 18 month project where you take nine months to scope it and months to to deliver it. It is, you know, it is scope it in 30 days and have it run in 90. And uh, it's really, you know, it's got to the point where we've had to strike out and invest in our own digital team in order to accommodate that agile, nimble approach to, you know, uh, what is now a supply chain requirement. And I think to add on to that, the transparency that is needed to achieve that amongst all parties is something that is needed anyway to make that next leap in our supply chain innovation, but also to to help all companies in the industry manage through these supply chain events and do better planning in the future. I actually think that we're at the forefront of of what I think will be some big industry changes because of some of the points you've made. Like if you look at what our customers need, speaking specifically like semiconductor customers, they, they rarely need just one part. The one part itself is not usually enough because they're looking at providing a total solution to what it is their customers want. So there is this concept that the supply chains become interconnected and it becomes more of a syndication of many different supply chains that are required to satisfy customers than any one single supply chain. And I think that will eventually thrust companies into thinking more about how do I manage risk? In the future, being able to withstand these disruptions will mean that I have the right inventory and capacity planning, that I can you know, mitigate fluctuations in my demand. It's going to force companies to look at installing capacity proactively, or at least having the capability to install it proactively you know, in, in a syndicated environment where somebody is selling a product, but they're dependent on a company's upstream. Should the company upstream, should that, that raw material supplier take on all of the risk that's ultimately going to reward a company two nodes down? I think there's going to be shakeups in the industry on how that's managed and opportunities to kind of share that uh, across companies better than, than how we do it today. Do you see changes playing out on the design side as well, in addition to supply and maybe some long-term healthy changes? For example, perhaps some of those silos between design and supply are breaking down for the better? I certainly seen that the notion of designing for manufacturability or designing for supply chain definitely is something that a lot of companies are thinking about and just their whole sourcing strategies. And maybe this is something that Lynn can talk more about, but I've definitely seen a change to how people look at the, how they're going to source their products and not just looking at the lowest cost provider anymore, but looking at many other factors that go into it. Yeah, and it's a great point, Joe, because, you know, at Flex, we do, we assist our customers, you know, with the design for manufacturing, but very often they come with their, you know, bill of materials and their selected suppliers and want us to execute on a different scale. We do a, a lot of design work as well for some customers, but that design for manufacturability and openness to looking at alternative sources has increased dramatically over the past few months because of the the inherent risks in the current supply chain. How do you think the supply and demand imbalance will start to normalize? And how different do you think the supply chain will be at that point? 
Will we be seeing notable and sustained changes or do you think we could revert back to the way that things were in terms of our zero sum, just in time mindset? I think in, in the past, after an event, it was calmed down and people would be, go back to that focused on the low cost and efficient supply chain model that had been designed and worked well. Today, there's just there's been too much disruption and I do believe that customers are going to look towards more resilient and agile performance in their supply chain partner. That includes Flex as an EMS partner to our, our customers, though that's going to be my expectation to my suppliers that, that we work with. So it's, it has to be that end-to-end change that is, is designing a supply chain to address the agile and resilient requirements that are needed in today's world. And we have better tools. We have artificial intelligence, predictive analytics. We will continue to get better. And so we have to have that knowledge that we need to keep adapting towards the future and, and harnessing the power of the data that's available to us to make more strategic sourcing and supply chain decisions in the future. I think the, for lack of a better term, the awakening that's happened is on a couple fronts. One of which is the agility and resiliency and how it ties to total cost of ownership and risk. And when you are seeing in an industry now where some industries were built entirely on just in time as a supply chain and, and intentionally built to be the meanest, leanest, lowest cost supply chain out there, they are changing because they've run into this risk analysis that says, boy, uh, the way we had run our supply chain historically, I have a $5 part, which is not allowing me to ship a $75,000 item. And I think that that kind of awakening and that kind of awareness is going to stick. Now, is it going to stick 100% across the board for every segment? Probably not. But definitely in those industries that, that we're all feeling the pinch on who were maybe too lean in their supply chain historically, I don't see them going back to just in time because the risk is now too great. And, and they felt the sting of, of being too thin uh, on their supply chain. I think that there's a, an unprecedented build-out of semiconductor manufacturing capability going on right now, not just in the U.S., but overseas as well. I think a lot of companies have realized how important it is. It's extremely long lead time uh, with the tooling that's required. Uh, that's become constrained as well. So it's going to take some time to get out of the hole that we're in. You know, estimates in the next year or one to two years probably feel about right. I, I think that the, the good thing that's come out of it and uh, touched upon by, by Lynn and David is that it's becoming a, a corporate imperative, but it's also more so even it's become now a, a national policy imperative where even at the governmental level, not just in the US, but in the European Union as well, and in, in other parts of the world, where they're seeing that having this capability is really essential for continued uh, predictable economic development. And there has to be some investment made even at that national level to ensure that those capabilities are put in place. So I think that adds a, a totally different perspective and importance to planning the future of the semiconductor supply chain, which I think will be an opportunity in the next coming years. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. I think we've gotten some great stuff. I'm really excited about this episode. 
Thanks, Heather, and goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Goodbye, everyone. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure being here. Goodbye. Thank you, Lynn, Joe, and David, for joining today's podcast. On our next episode, we'll be exploring the importance of relationships, especially in the context of the distribution industry. To learn more about distributing wisdom, please visit abnet.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time.